Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. In previous episodes, and in fact in most episodes, I start each recording session with some notes roughly scribbled down on a piece of paper to ensure I get my facts right and to try and keep me on the straight and narrow. This week, I have no notes. I'm literally swinging across the shed without the safety of a net. And the reason for that is I want to talk about something that I feel very passionate about. And actually, there's no point me writing this down and trying to read it as a script. I think it's got to come from the heart. So here we go. This week, we're going to talk about the long game. About a week or so ago, I appeared on a talk with a photographer called Paul Glazier. The book of his work, Island Tides, is published by Blue Coat Press, and it's a body of work that Paul began when he was just 12 years of age, travelling from southwest London up to the Scottish island of Vatasay. He continued that work until his age now, and he continues to work on that uh, project. He's now 56. I've known Paul since I was 12, but I didn't know that he was a photographer until only a few years ago, after he'd been working on this body of work over all those decades. We started to talk. I suggested that he showed the work to Craig Aitkinson at Café Royal Books, and Craig published a book of the work. I then suggested he showed it to Colin Wilkinson at Blue Coat Press, and they published the book Island Tides, which they very kindly asked me to write in. In addition to that, I introduced Paul to Malcolm Dixon up at the street-level Glasgow Photo Works Gallery, and um, Malcolm has been fantastic in supporting the work and putting on exhibitions and events like the talk. So why am I talking about that in relation to the long game? Well, obviously, Paul was working on that work for a very long time. But he wasn't showing it to anybody. And actually, Paul is based in Amsterdam. He's an artist, a painter, a drawer and a sound artist as well. So he's a multifaceted artist, of which photography is just part of that. But what it made me think about, and what I've been thinking about quite a bit over the last few months or so, is the fact that nothing is being done for the photographer in their 50s, late 40s, 60s. That period when the hard graft, the hard work has been put in, that may be in personal projects, in long-form projects, short projects. It might be from a commission perspective. It's that point of which a photographer has gained a massive amount of experience and knowledge about photography and about life in general. I see a lot of support and help for young photographers, emerging photographers, still a term that I really find very difficult to pin down. But I see very little help, if any, for the more experienced photographer. Are we to presume that that experience and that knowledge and age automatically suggests that those photographers are successful, that they're working, that they're not suffering a little bit, that they don't need a little bit of help, a bit of support, 
particularly in photography, a medium which has changed so dramatically over the last 30-odd, 40-odd years. Technology has pushed photography forward at an alarming rate, a rate at which the creative industries have had real problems keeping up with. We all know those issues. We all experience those issues on a daily basis. But photography is a long game. And my feeling is that there's a particularly difficult point in that long game. As I said, from maybe now uh, mid-40s through the 50s into the 60s. Why do I say until the 60s? Why don't I say that until the end of a photographic life? So many jokes about that, aren't there? Photographers never die, they just go out of focus. Or maybe they just get put in the attic with their archives. But the truth really is, I suppose, most clearly identified for me with what's been happening around the work of Colin Jones over the last couple of weeks. We dedicated the podcast to him recently, and I wrote an article about Colin. And when I first met Colin 21, 22 years ago, he wanted me to try and help him to get people to see his work. If we go back to that point, I think Colin was in his early 80s, so Colin would have been in his kind of late 50s, early 60s back then, and no one was interested in his photography at all outside of the images that he'd done of The Who, which was still making him some some money, some income was coming in from those. But all of that project work, all of the, the work around the Black House, the work he did in the 60s, the 70s, no one was interested What I'm now seeing after Colin's sad death a couple of weeks ago, that all of the newspapers, all of the magazines that weren't interested in Colin are suddenly interested in Colin. Suddenly there are obituaries and his work is being perceived as being important. To me, it was important 21 years ago, but Colin was in that kind of limbo land at the time whereby the work had yet to be seen of historical importance. But that didn't make life any easier for Colin at that time, and I don't think it makes life any easier for a lot of photographers who find themselves not getting as many commissions as they once were, not getting quite as much work as they once did, and actually not really understanding why. I wrote an article about this, which I've put on unitednationsofphotography.com. Do uh, check that out if you want to uh, read about what I'm speaking about. It's about the midlife crisis for photographers. If you're listening to this and you're a young photographer, you might think, well, what's he going on about? What's the problem? Surely these people are established. Surely they've got what they wanted out of photography and they're continuing to get it. Well, actually, maybe not. So whilst there are all these initiatives for young photographers, which I'm totally and utterly behind, and it's a great thing. As I say, I've still got a problem with the word emerging, but I have no issue at all. Why would I? For the support of young photographers. Maybe all the festivals and all of the associations like the Royal Photographic Society, the Association of Photographers, for example, people putting on festivals, instead of constantly thinking about the new, maybe you should be thinking about the established and the old before those photographers are no longer here to help. 
This week, I'm truly honoured to welcome to the podcast a photographer who you could definitely say was dedicated to the long game. She's going to explain to us what photography means to her, and I know a lot of you listening are very eager to hear this. The photographer in question is Marketa Luskakova, who was born in Czechoslovakia and graduated from Charles University Prague with a degree in sociology and with a thesis on religion in Slovakia. During her stay in Slovakia, she became familiar with old Christian rites and decided to return with a camera to document the surviving traditions. Luskakova then studied photography at the Film and TV School of the Academy of Performing Arts in Prague and from 1970 to 1972, she photographed stage performances of the Tsar Branau Theatre. However, the theatre was banned by the communists in the spring of 1972. The same year, she showed her body of work titled Pilgrims in the Gallery of Visual Arts in Rudnice, Nad Labem. In 1971, she had married the poet Franz H. Worm, but terrified by the normalisation programme in Czechoslovakia at the time, Worm had left the country and Luskakova asked the state authorities for permission to visit her husband abroad. After several short visits, she emigrated to England in 1975. Her work was banned in Czechoslovakia and she started photographing London's markets in 1974 and as a magnum nominee, the Chiswick Women's Aid Group. Interestingly enough, a group also photographed by Colin Jones. She first visited the northeast of England in 1976 when visiting photographer Chris Killop, who uh, lived there and whom she had a son with. She fell in love with Whitley Bay and with the people there, so when the Newcastle-based Amber Collective invited her in 1978 to photograph the northeast of England alongside Martine Frank, Henri Cartier-Bresson and Paul Caponegro, she was drawn back to photograph the seaside. In 2016, she self-published a collection of photographs of street musicians, mostly taken in the markets of East London. Under the title To Remember London Street Musicians 1975 to 1990, with an introduction, I should say, by the great John Berger. Cafe Royal Books have published two of her bodies of work Chiswick Women's Aid 1976 to 77 and Ireland 1972 to 1973. Her work, created for the Amber Collective by the Sea, Photographs from the North East, 1976 to 1978, was published in 2019. In the same year, a major exhibition of her work was shown at Tate Britain. Photography is a way of life for me. It took a large chunk of my life. I was 20 years old when I made the first photographs of pilgrims. In 2015, I had my exhibition in Bratislava and the gallery called it Half a Century of Photography of Marketa Luskačová. I was quite shocked. Half a century is a long time. Photography is for me a way to understand life, my life. It is, after all, a quest behind all the arts. 
the intention behind my photography was to remember things, events, people, their faces. I photograph because I want things, people, to be remembered. I believe that uh, only well-composed photographs are memorable and can be remembered. And I take a great care in my composition. Shortly after I arrived to Britain, I was with Joseph Kodelka when he met Gilles Perez, who was on his way from Northern Ireland. I did not understand English well, but I understood one word, to shoot. And Gilles was repeatedly saying, shoot, shooting, shoot, shooting. When he left, I said to Joseph that Gilles must be in a terrible crossfire in Belfast. But Joseph explained to me that to shoot is in English the synonym for to photograph. Well, in Czech, in my native language, the synonym for to photograph is to immortalize. And this was what I was trying to do all my life and what kept my interest in photography all that time. Well, thank you, Marquetta, for your contribution this week. Um, just an incredible insight. Wonderful to hear names like Joseph Kadelka and Gilles Perez um, being mentioned there and those kind of, I suppose, an insight that she just gave us into those kinds of conversations. So important to talk with other photographers, listen to other photographers, and I suppose in a way share those experiences. Perhaps it was much easier then when there were less photographers around and you'd be meeting for a coffee or a drink or something. Whereas now, of course, most of our interactions exist online. Wonderful also to hear Marquetta bringing something different to that conversation around the very troublesome use of the word shoot in relation to photography. Um, if you were looking forward to that contribution, which I know a lot of you were, I hope that you felt it was as rewarding as I felt it was. Uh, really wonderful to hear from Marquetta. If you're not aware of her work, as always, do check it out online. You will not be disappointed. Whilst we're on the subject of the long game, uh, just a few weeks ago I was talking about the importance for photographers of creating a multiple platform digital presence, I suppose, online, focusing very much on the website and using each individual social media platform, uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, primarily, uh, for different reasons and in different ways, but ensuring that you don't put all of your eggs in a basket, a basket being held by someone you've never met, and whose intentions for that basket you have absolutely no awareness of. Well, what happened last week with the crashing of uh, Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram and Messenger really did prove, I think, the mistake that many photographers I know have made 
by getting rid of their websites and thinking that Instagram was all they needed. I know there are a lot of photographers whose work I see and I think looks interesting. And then I try and find their websites and I can't find it because it doesn't exist. Well, for six hours last week, they didn't have a website. They didn't have a presence to the world and they didn't have an opportunity, a way of showing their work. This really, I think, demonstrates the fragility of those platforms. And any of us who've been around a long time will remember Laserdiscs and Betamax and floppy disks and uh, all sorts of different formats and platforms that have been out there. LimeWire and MySpace and Friends Reunited. All of these uh, platforms and initiatives had their place in the sun for a short period of time. But then as time passes by, we recognise that they either no longer exist or they no longer work because the hardware required to access them is no longer available. When was the last time you bought a DVD? Unless, of course, it was at a car boot sale. So, anyway, I spoke about it a few weeks ago. I wasn't being prophetic. It wasn't some great kind of crystal ball revelation. For me, it was just common sense. And it just could, I just couldn't understand why these photographers were getting rid of the website. So I think where we are now is recognising that the long game requires us to be fully aware of the future. So by putting everything into Instagram, it's going to be a mistake if we expect that Instagram is working for us. It's not. Our work is actually making it exist. Instagram would not exist without photography and yet members of their board have already been talking about its future as being about the moving image. The long game requires an insurance that things in the future are going to exist. It's very difficult to understand exactly how that's going to happen, but I'm pretty sure that sticking it onto a social media site is not the way forward when it comes to archival material. Anyway, keep your website. That's my advice. Don't throw your uh, all your hat in, all your money in with those guys in Silicon Valley. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. Um, we've talked about the long game. It's not that long a podcast, but you can always jump into the archive if you want to hear some more contributions from great photographers or hear me going on about the state of photography, the world and everything else in general uh, that seems to affect us. A photographic life as, I, life, as I said just the other day, isn't just about photography. And I sometimes wonder how much about photography it actually is. But that's another thing. I'm not going to take you through my own personal hell. But anyway, hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. And of course, that just leaves me with two words to finish this week's episode before hopefully you go and listen to a few more. This week, I'm going to say, take care. Take care.